pathetic earthlings, hurling your bodies out into the void without the slightest inkling of who or what is out here. Is life just some kind of horrific joke without a punchline that we're all just biding our time until the sweet, sweet release of death? Take her to the moon for me, okay? Welcome, friends, to another episode of Embrace the Void, where we are here to counter your culture, mostly with some, like, nasty blue control permission decks. I am your nerd core host, Aaron Rabinowitz, and my guest this week is David Burke, a PhD student at Bath Spa University with a focus on studying the philosophy of heavy metal. He has written on Nietzschean elements of heavy metal and argues that metal should be taken seriously as a philosophical art form. So, David, would you like to, I assume, very comfortably say hi to the void? Uh, oh, yeah. How's it going, man? Um, long time, no time. I saw I, right. I saw a void like last week, but it's cool to catch up again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> long time yeah. consumer first time caller yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean me, you know we i mean we're, we can explore this a bit more but you know we're always hanging out with the void <laughs> that's right that's right i feel like you will have a, a keen grasp on the many facets of that particular concept do you want to start by giving folks a sense of like they're probably already reeling at the idea of a PhD in heavy metal philosophy. We have had a previous episode, people can go back and listen, where we talked about some of this stuff, though, from a different angle. Do you want to explain how you, especially with your particular accent, are studying heavy metal philosophy and, and like what that looks like to you? Sure. So I, a few, a few years before I uh, did start my PhD, I had lots of thoughts about metal and you know there are so many pub-based conversations that people have um where they try and theorize parts of this culture and mm -hmm. after and and then a few things started to click for me and i think the main one was that i kept seeing skulls everywhere and that was it was it, it was the start of something basically it hmm. was the, it was the it was the signifier that i latched on to if you like Mm-hmm. And uh so I formulated the the PhD like or proposed it. Like I I really had no idea what I was doing at the time, which is very common for PhDs. You know, you have the you have the inkling of an idea. Right. You can kind of see coming for all of us, see, right? But yeah. But yeah, you can kind of see part of the way round what you're mm -hmm. what what you're gonna get into. But uh, I, I hadn't read barely any of the literature. I, I was coming at it mm -hmm. from, I, I was a history graduate originally. So I also, all of my grounding in philosophy is like fairly recent, but okay. I, but I understood that there was, I, I could really sense that there was something there, or at least I was interested, I think at first in kind of commenting on metal in a world historical sense. And to be honest, I kind of carried that through into the work that I do. So although uh, philosophy plays a major part in my thought and certainly will at the kind of at the end of the PhD, I'm backing it up with uh, a range of kind of sociological studies. I'm doing two based mm -hmm. on interviews, on speaking to people uh, within scenes and two that are more based on uh, data analysis, like little big data projects. Yeah, and I want to talk about your studies some because I think they're a fun example of like qualitative analysis and what you can do with it. And uh, but first, maybe it would be helpful. I think a lot of folks when they hear the word metal, they have a certain image in their head. But they're you know, I'm then told that there is a map of metal that is about as complicated as the mm. map about like different kinds of polysexualities and things. So, is it important to know all the different? flavors of metal and insofar as it is what are like what is the broad strokes that you would want people to understand this culture sure so i think one of the things about metal is um a kind of insistence on uh categorization and developing a structure of knowledge a, an archaeology of knowledge if you like to borrow 
Foucault. And, and, the, and the obsession with creating different genres is an integral part of the practice in a way. But in broad strokes... Fucking splitters is what you're saying. They're just splitters. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like Trotskyism constantly, you know, over here. They're okay. always, always fractured. Sure. The yeah. people who hate people party. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and in fact, like the various innovations in metal subgenres could arguably said to be an increasing um, ha- hammering of that point, you know, like, uh, like death metal uh-huh. makes music, which is unrepentantly uh, nasty to listen to. And then uh, black metal takes it one step further and says, well, that wasn't nasty to listen to enough. So we need a culture that articulates isolation even further than that. Um, mm. And many people in, in extreme metal circles think of black metal as the kind of the high art version of the form. But that, that's <laughs> up, so, um, so what I want to get at is there are two kind of broad strokes to consider, which is the traditional kinds of heavy metal, which you can see the connection between rock and metal much more closely in these genres. Mm-hmm. So things like mm-hmm. things like Bon Jovi are metal, you know? Like it's it's Oof, light metal. That's that's gonna involve some recategorizing. I know, I know. But but you but, that uh, hurts. but sure. But, but the way <laughs> Physically. that the way that I <laughs> okay. uh-huh. <laughs> the way that I think about you I, I've had to burn a lot of sacred cows as I've gone through no, I love it. Burn and, it all down. Let's go. Bon Jovi is metal. I'm, I'm for this now. Go ahead. Well, yeah, because if, <laughs> it, and it, it, it has to be like my definition as an as as someone that has to feign impartiality as an academic, because you mm-hmm. can never and and this I think touches on my positionality that you know it's impossible to study these scenes when you're a member without it currying how you understand it. You're always caught up, and in fact the more you're involved with the scene, the more caught up you are. It's very, very so, difficult. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, since you bring up the positionality, um, you were talking about your background, just to clarify, you, you got you gave us your sort of academic background, but I don't know if we've got a sense of your metal background. Like, why I'm metal? Sure. You know, what's... Why metal? What, what, oh, what, God. Yeah, uh-huh. well, that's, that's, <laughs> I know, well, in two that's, se- that's... 50 seconds or less, right? Sure. So, it, you know... It, uh found it when i was young and it haunted me ever since you know that's i think that's the pattern for most people that are in metal at my age or older i'm i'm sure nearly 30. The same reason I'm people get phds now. yeah yeah well, exactly exactly you get haunted by uh the most terrible of things a big idea and i think uh, right i think i think as we'll get into i think one of the things that metal is kind of concerned with a philosophical discourse and loves the idea of a big idea, even if it's okay. terrible at executing it, even if, right. even if it, even if it falls horribly flat, even if it's the cringiest thing you've ever seen, metal loves um, the concept of a big spectacular gesture, idea, spectacle in itself. I see. Interesting. Um, yeah, I want to talk about why that is and what they're doing with that. A couple just things to clarify. You know, so for uh, uh, music like System of a Down or Tool, do you put those in the metal camp? Are they? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Because uh, okay. as, as I was going to say, the, the thing that I had to accept was if it's got distorted instruments and, and that distortion is the key element to, to the tone, then it's then most likely it's metal, you know. If it fo- if it focuses on a distorted electric guitar, then it's yeah. Th- then it's getting towards metal, even if the song that we're talking about is like really quite pop. Like I listened to a Whitney Houston song the other month, and I was like, wow, this is this is quite metal actually. Um, I can't uh, sadly I can't remember the name of the song. Hmm. Now, but, um, so but, for yeah. Yeah. So the definition for you is purely about sort of the style and not the content? Um, I think that the content uh, unconsciously emerges from the style. How about that? Okay. The, the cho- so it's, the choice, it's, it's the not a reductio ad absurdum to say that sometimes Bon Jovi does metal because most people who do metal are not Bon Jovi, for example? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's like bon, bon Jovi were metal at the time, therefore mm-hmm. they're metal as well like it's that it's got to be that simple like because because if we're to treat metal as a persistent 
genre discourse, which is one of the main research questions that I'm invested in, is trying to mm-hmm. trying effectively trying to show how this thing links up as a as a whole, which is uh, which I think is is you know undeniably a very difficult thing to do, but it allows me to have this kind of more philosophical valence because I'm interested in right. articulating more universal points about metal. So but, in your categorization, is that like mean that like 80% of counterculture music after acoustic, so post-acoustic counterculture music, like 80% of that is metal or like 100% of that is metal or like... No, I'm... You, you, you let, see my me, question, right? Let me, let me like clarify, is Talking yeah, Heads let me, metal? Let me, yeah. <laughs> no, sure. Let me clarify. But it's it, The distortion is the thing. Very much. Okay. Like without dis- okay. without distortion, there is no metal. But there are other elements too, and they largely centre on too much, a kind of sonic excess. Um, because see. you can have very tasteful music with distorted guitar, like shoegaze is is artful, tasteful working with distortion, not thinking of it as um, a as something that you use to bludgeon people with, but almost like these gossamer curtains of sound that you're gently playing with yeah. as you adjust minutely the position of your guitar and 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 so introduce like, so, all these pedals yeah yeah so like for case study hendrix playing the national anthem on in feedback oh my extremely god metal. I mean, that's that's pretty metal isn't it i mean okay. i mean hendrix, right. hendrix gets claimed as a kind of proto metal by loads of different journalists, and uh, and his work appears in canon lists and that kind of thing uh, of a of an older generation for sure, but um, is absolutely mm-hmm. count is absolutely counted in the kind of extended canon, and and because his work with Fuzz is like pioneering, he sets up some really great norms about destroying equipment and engaging in mm-hmm. uh, engaging in very kind of sacrificial behaviour which I mm-hmm, think is kind mm-hmm. of key to uh, key to metal practices. So he's very yeah. much very heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So just one, I guess one more sort of aesthetic clarification, and then we could talk philosophy. Mm. Would you say it tends to be or is very essential to metal that like you have that like wall of sound thing you were describing, the excess, I guess, mm. right? The big, the big massive cacophony, right? Yeah. And then, you know, if I think of like System of a Down, for example, which I spent a lot of time listening to in high school or Tool, you know, what I love is the breakdown of that wall of sound. So they'll go from having that to go down to just like one instrument. And then like, it's, you know, it's not that different from prior styles of music where you go from big band to solo back to big band mm-hmm. right but like it is interesting the way they do it using dissonance in sort of weird ways yeah and, and there's this that, kind of mm-hmm. yeah that the, the the two things that really kind of set metal music apart from other kinds of music are the focus on power for power's sake and the focus on chaos in or controlled chaos in a musical environment so dissonance um disjunct rhythms and compositional frameworks so things that sound like they're falling apart or things that sound unstable um a a reliant and a reliance on um extreme speeds as well extremely fast or extremely slow um Mm -hmm. where most other uh, music discourses are uninterested in those um, tempi because they're not because e- you can't dance to them is the simple reason for that. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so that, I think leads us into a nice segue to the philosophy side of this. So you mentioned a couple of things there: power for power's sake, controlled mm. chaos, and like extremely fast and extremely slow. Um, so maybe we can work through those a little bit. Is there like a grand narrative to um, metal and what is it saying about power for power's sake? Right. So for, for me, the, and this is what I picked up on when I started my study is that metal is concerned with the existential break in effect. It's the, it's all of its genres um, in what By way which you mean, be, yeah, a, 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 a moment of confronting the void. Okay, great. 
I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. That, that so, kind of, yeah. that, that experience of um, alienation or at, or mm-hmm. in more extreme versions, anguish, where um, it, it's the, the point at which you realize the groundlessness of the social, basically. Okay. It's, yeah. it's the point the where, angst the point or where the you yeah, under, existential yeah. vertigo, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly, nausea in Sartre's work or whatever. Now, great. all the different genres respond to this in different ways. But the commonality is the is the scene, the phantasmatic scene of confronting the void in itself. That's the kind of crucial thread which runs through all of it. So even let's let's return to my outlying example of Bon Jovi. Sure. Right. So even yeah. bands like Bon Jovi have moments where it's about confronting um, the void, which is normally through sheer bodily excess like pushing yourself through drugs and sex and rock and roll until you are in a position where you almost die or you accidentally or you accidentally kill someone you know like i know i'm looking at a list of bon jovi songs and i hate you right now like i really This is fucking with me. I'm I'm impressed. Usually I am the one who's fucking with people, but this is really Do you ever get in fights? Like do people ever like threaten you physically when you say that Bon Jovi is metal and then back it up in this kind of way? Oh, uh no. I I, I think <laughs> well, you know, like I'm 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 at least I'm at least eight feet tall, so firstly that's okay, not fair a problem. <laughs> you do appear to be a North giant. Uh, I, well, I assume yeah, that was yeah, 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 I have to I I need like a special van, um, but <laughs> but also like no, it's it, no. I don't get I don't get in fights because uh, as yet, but maybe that's uh, a UK uh, American divide. Um, mm, no, I, that's I, I true. We we, we brawl hard. Yeah, yeah. I've I've it's 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 cool out there. You guys have all got manifest destiny brain. Um, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I'm living on a prayer over here. Help me out. Um, oh, one other question I had about this in relation to, because you're going to talk about power for power's sake. Mm. If you could at some point make clear for us which are the kinds of metal that we should avoid for the sake of avoiding Nazis, that's always, I think, a useful oh, bit of sure. information. Uh, oh, well, unf- well, right. So what or is that just, a, is what just a fas- metal? What a yeah. fascinating thing to say. So <laughs> so there's one subgenre which you should explicitly avoid because it actively proclaims that there are national socialists in it and it's called national socialist black metal. See, that was relatively self-explanatory, wasn't it? Now, this is They're much, good at naming things, compl- given that. But, but this is much complicated by the much larger presence of people in metal culture who simply don't give a shit about politics or... Uh, and, and largely don't mm. give a shit because they can avoid, they they can afford to defer that responsibility. And those mm. people are the silent majority of metal in the Nixonian sense. These are people. Are they who, like privileged libertarian dudes? Is that like what uh, we're mostly talking about here? I I think a lot of them are your kind of upper working, lower middle, kind of bulk of metals uh, fan base um, who through basically through largely through privilege do not have to actively confront the political issues that are so often touched upon in metal and enjoy them as just entertainment mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's mm-hmm. the position of the person that says well i don't mind about the uh, the the nazis in this black metal band i just like their riffs um or, right. or similarly, or similarly, the um, the person that says, "Well, I'm not too concerned about the uh, lyrics in this porno grind band, which are just just songs about um, assaulting and dismembering women," and you know, oh, I just, oh, it's just a, a joke to 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 me. Ah, uh, yeah, is, is so, how okay. some people can view that as well. The, my, my, yeah. the point I'm trying to make is that uh, that. That while there are some very explicitly fascist parts of metal, there's a much broader part of metal which can simply afford to not care. Right. Okay. And I know that I asked you about power for power's sake, and we'll get back to that. But I, I want to actually tie in here black pilling because this is something that seems important. Because what you're describing there is pretty much identical to like your 8chan approach to memetics, where like they don't they're nihilist or they want to be nihilist and so they are 
you know, refuse to take any claims or moral concerns seriously because that's all just part of the game, right? And the whole point of the system is to be getting out of that game. Um, and so, you know, merely by bringing up that there is a problem, you might actually just be more likely to make it worse, it seems like, in that particular um, situation. So, like, if you say that black metal is sort of the purest refined form is it fair to say that like the point of metal is to basically just be blackpilling people um right so this is mm -hmm. this is really good because i think this perfectly <laughs> gets at how different the responses to an existential crisis can be you know mm -hmm. you can have some you can have a apathetic what i would think of as the cynical response where like you say you just defer all ethical responsibility. It becomes about, um, oh, well, I'm enjoying this transgression, all of this lurid mm -hmm. and obscene grotesquery. I'm just enjoying it because it because it simply is some signifier of rebellion writ large, not really interested in how it connects into anything. I just like annoying people. And that's a very- Marquis de Sade kind of vibe. And that's the most common response to uh, metal and, I think, to sort of bleak culture as a whole. I think that's the default response, precisely because most people are, uh, trained, right. in, are trained in cynicism to follow Zizek or, or Schlotterdijk. So this is, this is interesting to me because part of what comes of that seems to me a refusal to do philosophy. Because mm -hmm. if you're not willing to engage in any of those questions because they're all part of the game, right? You're essentially saying, I, I will never take seriously sort of any philosophical or ethical questions. Mm -hmm. I am only here to burn things down in this kind mm -hmm. of way. Um, is that the vibe that you basically see a lot of? And do, do you feel like you get pushback for trying to do philosophy in these spaces? Uh, uh, well, that's, I think, it, here's the twist for you, is that despite yeah. the way in which... Uh, yeah, large parts of metal is, although um, has gone through some kind of moment of realization, perhaps about one's existentiality, they nonetheless choose the easier option of, of this kind of apathetic um, enjoyment of transgression for its own sake. But, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but, the crazy thing is, all these people are still nerds, and they love articulating this position in the form of something that, if you squint at it, might be philosophy. So they love rhetoric, right? Like yeah. Everyone, yeah. It's, there's a kind of incredible camp and theatrics to, to sure. metal. And even in the most avowedly, supposedly nihilistic quarters, it still comes out in this... Um, florid kind of prose where you're trying to say something grandiose even if what you're effectively saying is i don't care about any of this shit i'm going home like right. <laughs> like like right even, so so i i uh, uh, i was just at um uh, the my first international metal studies conference and a paper that was given there was about the ways that black metal bands try and uh offer up what the guy called labyrinths of, of absurdity. And one of those labyrinths is the way that some black metal bands will be like, we're not like 99% of black metal. We're, you know, we're outside the norm. And then there are some bands that say, we're not like those, we're not like those 99% of black metal bands. We don't right. think that's, we think that elitism is stupid. We're more, <laughs> we're more elite than that elitism. <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so, so even, yeah. yeah. So, so my my point being that even when this is, even though they are articulating, full of what is in terms of argument a bit of a facile position, they do it with this kind of philosophical rhetorical style or style of writing, as it were. Right, which seems to me to raise a pretty weird contradiction. It feel Absolutely. you know to 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 paraphrase. Lebowski, right? Like, who's the nihilists here? Like, if you're really a nihilist, why are you spending so much time defending nihilism? Why would it matter that anyone else cares mm -hmm. what you think or not? Why would you in any way try to justify yourself? It seems, mm -hmm. and especially in, in a, such a try-hard kind of way, right? It seems yes, like exactly. quite the opposite in this sense. And like, 
this ties into something else that I think you said in one of your other uh, podcasts that I listened to that like part of the philosophy of metal is that nothing is sacred. So as a mm -hmm. counterculture, it's a critique of, you know, holding anything sacred, but like what you're describing to me sounds a lot more like the kind of hipster, you know, um, occultism that basically is like what is sacred is the rejection of the mainstream in favor of something obscure and whatever isn't obscure enough. We find something more obscure and then lay out lengthy explanations for why it is actually better than the other thing. Indeed. But okay. the, 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 the way that I need us to read that statement to metal, nothing is sacred. I mean uh -huh. nothing as a positivity. I, uh, mean, I see. I see what that, you mean. That's the, that's the, the that's, absence that, of things. That's is, the, other the void is to, sacred. Yeah, okay. That's the other way to read it, is that uh -huh. on the one hand, metal has appeared to us for years and years and years as something, yes, that seems to be about um, dis defilement, transgression, like burning every sacred cow that comes, on, uh, that comes into its path or whatever. I mean, certainly that's how metal likes to present itself on television sure. in in its albums you know you want to set yourself up as this pure neg negative force yeah but what we when we get further into it and that transgression becomes more normalized and more recuperated more accepted what really starts to emerge i think is that metal venerates absence lack um nothingness uh, the void itself as it were and, and it and it becomes about articulating death, de uh, lack, um, in ver uh, you know the, these these forms of missingness or uh, or not or or the or the destruction of things that becomes the object of discourse. It's extremely Buddhist in my mind. What you're talking about yeah, is for, some, an yeah. art form that like highlights the four kinds of suffering and like, you know, venerates the um, an annihilation of the self and stuff. Sure. For, for me, it's deeply uh, Lacanian. That's the, okay. that's the body. That's the body of thought that um, that has struck me the most about it, uh, because right. it, it because, because metals, um, while it has this veneration of um, nothingness as this kind of austere godlike presence of void in the social practices of metal we see death drive everywhere so we mm. have this confrontation with the Lacanian real on the level of the text where it's all about this darkness the 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 missing piece or like you know like like tool like I know the pieces fit like the perfect neurotic sure. statement um, but, uh, you know, I, I know that it will be work. I know that it will work, which is interesting. Right. Um, right. Uh, but it, so on a textual level, it's about communicating nothing as this very grand thing, but in the actual practices of metal, it's about going round and round in a loop, going to the same shitty venue all the time, drinking way too much all the time, like constantly collecting new things just so that you can have more shitty band patches have a more shitty looking battle vest that looks even worse the more you put patches on it there's this repetition and sacrificial logic to mm -hmm. metal culture which for me very much reflects the behaviors of drive yeah, I guess I'm curious, do you think that that is necessarily a bad thing? Because you could frame all of what you're just describing in terms of, like, religious sacrament. And then mm. it's like, well, that's what everybody does all the time. Yeah. We all go in circles and feed our, yes. you know, extra resources into Moloch and whatnot. So, Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Uh, I, I, okay. I, I think it's it's absolutely that, but the, with the difference that metal doesn't attempt to cover over how utterly ridiculous sacrifice and drive and how pointless and groundless those behaviors are like how you know every religion has to cover up how stupid the ritual is with the presence of god you know like, okay. like the, the where mm -hmm. but but as as hegel says the spirit is the bone right the the uh the the stupid inane ritual that you're doing is the religious experience you know the the the, the experience of communion mm -hmm. or whatever like right. it's literally the wafer and the wine that is the powerful thing that is happening 
because we sure. all agree that it has this power. Now, in metal, we have a very kind of similar religious type experience, or, or I, I think of it as a sacrificial experience because I see parallels between it and so many other hobbies, you know, like um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering. You, you alluded to Magic the Gathering at the beginning sure. of the episode, for instance. Now, now, all of these things normally cover over how utterly stupid what the thing that you're doing by right. with some kind of rationalization. But metal um, doesn't really have a proper rationalization. It's just about, oh, this sounds pretty good. Or oh, what if it was louder? <laughs> Which, like, um, you know, punk, for instance, has this mm-hmm. confront has this confrontational um, approach in its music, and it doesn't sound nice. Um, right, it's pl- it's played poorly, um, and that's the point, in fact. But the but the way that it's justified, punk always has this rationalization of, well, we're doing this for a good reason. There's a political valence behind this that means something, and that's sure. good, and that gives it a good value, a positivity. Whereas metal's only real positivity is nothingness itself. It has yeah. It, the, the, the positivity that it offers is that there is no positivity, as it were. And I think that's what the, the interesting thing about metal is that it performs all of this religious type behavior, but totally nakedly. It reveals it for the kind of monstrousness and yet the exhilaration that is the kind of essence of drive. Yeah. So... I think anybody, if you looked at metal and had any familiarity with like enthusiastic behaviors in religious settings would be, have no confusion mm-hmm. about like, and, and, and especially the use of pain as an enthusiastic accelerant, right? The point of it being so loud and horrible in this way yes. is that it like, it's like being in a sweat lodge, you know, it's a, it's a yeah. noise sweat lodge. Um, and all of this stuff, I think, ties into. I want to ask a little bit about like what your what your feeling is on the strengths and weaknesses of metal as an approach to this kind of, you know, nothingness void um, philosophy. Mm. And I think it'd be worthwhile to loop that in with talking about the connections between heavy metal, high weirdness, which is something I've been covering a bunch here. Um, mm. I don't know how much familiar how familiar you are with the concept, but like. I would say that high metal or metal feels to me like a kind of high weirdness in the sense that it is, it is about questioning mainstream dogma, often using extreme methods that can be very transgressive and maybe even harmful. Um, Mm -hmm. and that it has some connections to conspiracism as a result. Um, so how do you see like metals, like, is it helping people? Is it mostly hurting people? And is it because, you know, it's promising one thing and delivering another essentially? Oh, sure. I think, um, right. So there's an extensive literature now of metal studies, which talk about how metal is psychologically healthy for people. There are lots of studies okay. which are, which basically, which are premised on the idea, right. If people listen, metal fans that listen to metal do so because it offers them some kind of catharsis is the, is the rough consensus in the field. Now okay. this is, this is, Part, this is partially true. Um, mm-hmm. I, I often think of metal and the way that people get into it in their teen years as this kind of um, cheap, uh, kind of effective therapy. It it's does... screaming into a pillow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it does some of the work, you know. There's no pillow. Like it, does a, it, it does a bit of the work, but uh, uh, but it's it's not a substitute for. Um, it, it's not a full substitute for treatment but it approximates pieces of it. Um, But I also think that uh, metal does encourage a utter kind of masochism that you alluded to briefly Mm -hmm. before. Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's cool to experience pain in metal. Mm -hmm. It's not only is it grist for the mill as a songwriter, um, <laughs> but also, you know, it gives you something to write about. But it, <laughs> um, but right. also, but 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 also, it's um, cool to endure a really really long day of mild drug abuse and have your ears and feet really hurt by the end of a long day because you've been standing up for hours and hours and lifting things because you're 
probably helping a band out because only three people turned up to the show and that's just uh, there's so Mm -hmm. there there is this kind of damaging there is this kind of masochistic side to it but i don't i don't really see that as a problem i think the masochism uh, that the masochism is actually the good bit um the bad Mm -hmm. bit for me is more the way that people try and disavow the masochism in metal and one of the ways that they disavow this masochism is precisely by obviating the political question. Okay, can you Precis- give an example of how that works? Yeah. So, so for instance, someone who is into fascist black metal avoids, most of the time, massively avoids the contradictory and difficult, uncomfortable experience of really reckoning with what it is that they're consuming. Right? They don't have to... Okay. They, they don't have to actually reckon with it. They can just enjoy it. And for me, So like the HN trolls, yes, they never have to yes. actually reckon with anti-Semitism or something. That's, that's, that's right. And I, and as uh, I'm Jewish, so I, t- I, I, I think by your name, you're Jewish as well. So by my name and by my obsession with anti-Semitic conspiracism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh. Indeed. So, <laughs> oh, share. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I, they don't have to experience the contradiction. They deny the contradiction of enjoying this music, which has a message that would utterly annihilate most of the people that listen to it even, you know? Which like is if, different if, in your mind from someone who like enjoys a problematic fave, recognizing that it's being problematic. So like my I favorite mean, my, example is, yeah. you know, um, there's a, a comedian who does a bit about Jews um, and he just like lays into the Jews real hard, but like in a way that I think is very much quality joke work Um, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, sells it in a way that I think deals with that uncomfortable stuff. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's a question of like how much, you know, you can like Lovecraft's work as long as you're not hiding from the racism or something. Right. So Uh, is that kind of what you're getting at? I mean, I, I think of it to the, the, the most ethical way to deal with it is to push yourself even further into discomfort and really, mm. really suffer your enjoyment. Like, okay. not, and, and, and that, is, which is a very Lacanian idea as well, that the point is, at the point with your things that you like and enjoy uh, is, is really to come to terms with the horrifying fact that you like that thing. And, and, uh, and, and I think mass culture is constantly mm-hmm. involved in a process of repression around this fact. You know? So this is this no, is like pathos work, is what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's a part of us that likes things that we don't want to like, and we hate ourselves for that. Or mm. there's a part of us that hates things that everyone tells us we're supposed to like, and we have to, you know, alienate that from ourselves. And this is about not doing that, essentially. Yes. Yes, it's uh, right. Even if it makes us really uncomfortable that we like those horrible things or vice versa. In fact, the more uncomfortable that you feel about the media that you consume, the uh, kind of better work that you're doing with it. So this this is where I think this really heavily ties into the high weirdness stuff, because a lot of the like high weirdness counterculture is about getting in touch with pathos by pulling yourself away from the sort of mainstream walls that protect you from your own pathos um now this is where i also get really concerned because like Mm. i'm a big fan of pathos work i also think it's at the root of a lot of people doing shitty things to each other so how do you think about so so in in the world you're describing for example i would be really worried about one particular kind of harm that comes up in high weirdness which is the heroic dose mindset of you always have to go harder you know it's always got to be one louder and that that's how you prove your commitment to the thing, which is something that I think leads to a lot of people being pressured to do things that they shouldn't do. And that's not actually enlightenment in my view. So how do you think about that in this situation? And is there any way to push back on that within the metal framework? Great. So the way this kind of ties together, what uh, several things that I've been, that we've been talking Mm -hmm. about. So the way I think of it is that, when you get into metal, you enjoy the trend. I, I should add, metal studies, the the field that talks about metal, has been on has been interested very much in the concept of transgression for a long, long time, and it's very, very woven into the theory and how we approach 
metal. The, mm-hmm, the idea mm-hmm. of breaking boundaries seems to be so central. And I think when you first get into metal, the, we, the transgression can be enjoyed simply because it is transgressive. And that's where this one-upmanship that you're describing is, oh, well, let's just transgress a little bit more and a little bit more. And now we're writing music about Satan. And now we have to go further and we have to actually do something about Satan. Now it's not convinc- it's not cool enough to just have music where we have this incredibly misanthropic ideology. What if we actually committed crimes? And that was what happened in Norway in the early 90s. Right. So it seems like, yeah, there's a concern here, right? Yeah, deeply, deeply concerning. So what's happened since since that moment in the mid-90s where there were real murders committed basically in the name of getting out another shitty demo tape? Um, Okay. (laughs) Sure. Which I, I, I'm, which it kind of was, it was, um, not great. Okay. If it had been better, would you have had a bigger ethical question about whether to listen to it? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, well, I mean, that will get to, uh, I'll I'll get to that briefly, but we'll save that for, um, for metal after dark. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so after that, like, Mm -hmm. And certainly in the past 10 years, metal producers, people in the scene, musicians and the like, lots of lots of the younger ones are and the more politically conscious ones are very much interested in a kind of ethical transgression where it's about developing a way to break Uh, boundaries, but in in the correct socially prescribed super egoic way that's got to be now, going really well for them i bet right now it has it, it, this it has all the problems of um what this is atheism plus this is heavy metal plus here right it, it's it's got all the issues of fetishistic disavowal that gj okay. describes like you're asking your culture to do your ethics for you basically you know oh well i don't want to listen to black metal because um it's oh, interesting. Got these, it's got these nasty associations. But if I listen to left-wing black metal, you know, then yeah. I'm not, you know, then then that's good. Then I then it's safe to borrow the discursive. Uh, the, yeah, the, the well, so th- this is the problem, with. right? If you're truly a fucking nihilist, you can't have ethical nihilism. That's not a thing, you know, no, because no. there's no there's no non instrumental values on your view. There's no intrinsic good or anything. So to come back to the point of like the one upmanship, I was thinking maybe the problem there is like, look, if you don't have a fundamental good that your instrumental good of transgression is moving towards, then you do just truly have only transgression for transgression's sake. Um, and it, that even that isn't valuable, right? You're just doing it because that's all there is left, right? Mm. That's like, you know, when the fall is all that's left, it matters. So I'm going to be an extra big dick on the way down, essentially. So so I, I think it starts, and the more right-wing position in metal is to enjoy transgression just for its own sake. Just, just look at me, mom, I'm breaking the rules. Which like, is so like, weird because right wing mentalities are often very rule authoritarian foc- focused. So uh, like... in- indeed, indeed, but but we might but uh, we might consider right. metal to be the unconscious of the rest of culture. So this is the place where they get to act out their filthy, perverted transgressions that they want to do, but only in the quiet of you know only in the quiet of night. Now right. after. Now, the liberal position, I identify with a kind of ethical transgression where, no, I'm listening to this transgressive music for the right reasons. These have mm-hmm. these guys have the right politics. They're saying the right things. They The message is on point. So that allows me, that gives me the, the, um, the you know, I, I, I can receive the commandment from the superego to enjoy without feeling like I'm being unethical in some way. Right now, this, so, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and the uh, but I think there's a further position to get beyond that, which is okay. where you fully the and and I think this is the radical position is where you stop trying to make the culture that you like make you feel good as well, and you appreciate that the culture that you are invested in is not good for you, basically. And, and that is true of all popular music because it's all so entangled in the horror matrices of capital 
you know all of the, the these things that we enjoy are you know all of the instruments have to be produced in third world countries like uh all of these venues are just you know it, it if we were being strictly utilitarian rational we shouldn't be using those buildings we should be putting them to good uses yeah. in, you know that don't involve just playing horrible loud music all the time right so uh, and and coming uh, so i think the the proper the position that we can get to is where the pathos is basically the only is the only thing rather than having this transgression um in in sort of titillate us or uh -huh. conversely be something that no it, it puts us on the right side of history i think we need to get to a point where we understand that transgression um harms us as we enjoy it so I'm trying to understand there, it sounded like, I, I guess I can't tell if what you're arguing for is a kind of nihilism or actually just a corrective for extreme objectivity or, a, you know, like extreme realism. So are, is, is it, you know, the way you just described that there, it sounds like, you know, there's a tension, there's a, let, me, let me back up a bit. There's a tension when I think about things like Buddhism about acceptance, mm -hmm. right? We want to accept what is because that is enlightenment, but we also don't want to stop trying to improve people's situations. Yeah, so how do we reconcile those two things, right? So if mm -hmm. our community, I would argue our community does want, we want our community to reflect our values because we are social animals and we will have the values of our community. So it's important that our community reflect our values in that way. And I think, you know, um, that like community resources like art can be a very powerful tool for teaching good values. So you, it sounded like you were saying in there at some point, effectively, there is no better and worse art for people. And I'm, I'm skeptical of that because I do think there are cases where art clearly can help people and does in a kind of predictable way, including it, it, no, potentially metal. Okay. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like art is a social good but it's also um, an idiotic thing that we do for fun. You know, okay. It's, it's also, so this it's is a kind of discordian just... point, right? Everything is absurd, but also meaningful. Yes, yes, yeah. Or, okay. or, uh, or as I say, the, the, point, the point for me is to get us to the idea that, because uh, another way to do, let, let me do my uh, a tripartite thing again. So, so the conservative right. is concerned with the idea of the great work of art, you know? That there's there's the canon. There are the great sure. works that were, and 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 the point of art really is just to mimic great art. It's just to reproduce what has already been deemed great. Now mm -hmm. the liberal approach, the liberal approach to art is what you were just describing there. You know, art is a social good. There are lots of rational reasons why we take part in doing art. Some kinds of art are clearly more ethical than others and can be presented, and 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 are good for communities in various ways. This, this is undeniably true. But mm -hmm. what I want to get mm -hmm. us to the point of understanding is that all art is simultaneously good and bad. Mm -hmm. Good in the, some the, sense and bad in some sense. Yes, the, the, all, the, while right. it is this great thing that brings people together, it is also, um, you know, 40 people lumbering around and listening to somebody sweat themselves half to death behind a drum kit, you know, like this yeah. stupid, like this stupid thing. You know, just, as, just yeah. as stupid, just as idiotic, really, as putting your hand on a cave wall and drawing around it just to do something. And, I'm very sympathetic uh, to this from a psychonautic perspective, because what you're describing to me is a mushroom trip, right? You know, you right. go on mushroom trips to remember that, like, don't take shit quite so seriously. Mm -hmm. But you got to come back down from the trip and keep helping people and doing mm. the thing, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, and this is a big problem in high weirdness, the people don't come back, right? Like yeah. you, you keep riding that train to nothingness until you're nothing. And, and like, that might not be the best thing for some people. Um, no. But also like, you know, I would align mm -hmm. that with the transgression for transgression's sake, you know, just, just, Oh, well, let's just get edgier and edgier. Let's just go further and further. Right, and but I guess I and wonder. It this yeah. linear, it's this linear bad infinity that is the problem for me. For, for me, there, the the idea that oh, well, we just need to keep progressing in this linear path of more and more transgression, more and more um, uh, danger and threat, and 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 how can we inflict more and more uh, misanthropy through music? 
and and right. eventually you and eventually you get to the point where if you are rational about it you should get to the point where you're like what is even the point of me making this music you know i don't want to please anybody why should well, i wait, even do wait. this if you say if you're <laughs> rational about it that implies that there's some truth of the matter as to like what a good end is and if if you're truly buying into this view then the answer to that question is nothing matters this is just what i'm doing yeah. i'm literally just exactly. doing it because i'm doing it right um mm -hmm. yeah. but i think if you want to avoid that e that regress at some point you have to assert that like all of this is towards a truth or an end so buddhism doesn't deny ultimate truth right it questions conventional truth but it mm -hmm. it does retain the idea that there is an ultimate truth which is the enlightenment that you know there is no um, independent self in this kind of way, but that doesn't mean that you don't experience the world and can't help other people. Um, it sounds like sort of the ethical transgressive stuff that you're talking about is trying to like put a cap on the stuff in the way that I think ethical Buddhism and things try to do that. Um, and I wonder in that space, is there, you know, like, is there take up of that? Is there um, acceptance of the idea that like, we actually do believe in a lot of basic core moral values like well-being and harm yeah, reduction much more, much more. Yeah. like like people that are into lefty black metal are often you know avowed anarchists environmentalists uh like like very try setting themselves up as very moral people and there's always been this deeply left political contingent in metal for, for decades now yeah, can you um, give some examples? I mean, System like, of a Down comes to mind for me. System but... of a Down, but older bands would be like like all the grindcore stuff, like Napalm Death, um, or like Brutal Truth in in the states. <laughs> like, uh, but but you also get like, yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. I just there's there's a particularly fun game that I always remember is fun when I do it, which is asking metal people to talk about their bands, and it just suddenly turns into the most hilarious Mad Libs. It's, it's what you were saying earlier, like the spectacle, <laughs> you know, like the picking of these names and stuff yes. is part of this ridiculous spectacle of like how can I, you know, be one louder? How can the skeleton be one bigger or something? That's right. That's right. Um, but but there is this there is this big contingent of of bands that have stated ethics and i think that's a different response to the apathetic cynicism that i talked about before this is more of like a sartrean existentialism well you know nothing means anything but you better damn well find yourself a project you you've got to go and find yourself yeah. something to do and it's got to be about i ultimately some kind of freedom and right uh, or 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 in better versions emancipation and can we, I mean, I mean, would you argue, and maybe this sounds like too much of an annoying theist trying to argue that an atheist still believes in religion, but like the folks who are refusing to do any of like the thoroughgoing nihilism, I would argue is still a, an ethical position, not oh, just yes, like the absolutely. absence of one, right? They're saying it would be bad, much like Ayn Rand would say, it would be bad for you to care about other people. They're saying it would be bad for you to care full stop. Yeah, yeah, I think some of them are more like that, the more strident ones. But I think a lot of the fans, a lot of the people who are like, oh, I don't care about it as long as it's got good riffs. Like, a lot of people who are like that are just your common or garden cynic that you find mm -hmm. everywhere in Western, in late Western society. But I think, yeah, yeah. There, are, there are also people who consider themselves like active nihilists and, mm -hmm. and, and proper and misanthropes proper. But... I, uh, to me, they're always caught up in the uh, contradiction of trying to be a pure negation, which is like you're not telling you, you have to rely on the affirmation in order for your identity to even come to being. You know, you can't without right. without you have to be a little bit. There's going to be a little drop of normie in there somewhere, I suppose. And and yeah, and also in the basic experiential sense that once upon a time this person had never listened to metal. It's like come on, sure. <laughs> until we until we fix culture and everyone gets in utero metal. Um, so well, we're getting a little yeah, short of time. Let me ask. Yeah. yeah, let me ask about the one other kind of concern here related mm. to the. Um, you know, even if you don't go all the way down the rabbit hole of there is no truth, but you're like, I'm very much more skeptical of mainstream truth, mm. which is a common high weirdness move. One of the major issues there is what we talked about is conspiracism. It's paranoia. Right? You start to have yeah a lot of paranoia and a lot of doubt about mainstream narratives. And the problem is a lot of mainstream narratives are correct. Mm. So you end up believing a lot of very harmful, bad things. So I think you mentioned, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that you're in Bath. 
um, Bath Spa University in Bath, England, which for me is associated now forever with the anti-vaxxers who've been having their conferences there. Um, right. What are the intersections between like woo, heavy metal, conspiracism, that side oh, of things? There, there's a considerable intersection, I think. Now, for me, paranoia, conspiracism it, um, is... I, again, I, I, I'm really into Lacan, so I think of it as paranoia is where you believe that the big other uh, is real. That, that, when, that when you see a government official that they, and they say, we have this bold plan, the paranoid person thinks that they really have a complete bold plan and they didn't just scramble to get it published in the last five minutes before they went out and talked. You know, you think that the other. So it's, it's, it's the, the competence mechanism, the competence portion of the of the conspiracism. Yeah, yeah. You think that the other is non-lacking, basically. Mm -hmm. That the other is that the the, the the figure of the um, the person that controls the conspiracy. Uh, you know, the the Jew. To to be frank, right. Thank you. The, I, the, I appreciate they, you not having to make me shorten it for you, but yes, thank no, you. No, no. No, the Jew, the Jew is always seen. I know. As... Sometimes people start with globalist and you know banker, no, and I like. I mean, I, I won't because I'm a Jew. Right. Because right. so you're a Jew, and you're like they just mean Jew. They just always they mean. They always Jew. mean Jew. Um, but yeah. so so the Jew is viewed as not lacking by the paranoid, uh -huh. and you see this in sure. lots of metal texts, and there and cunning. particular people <laughs> and particular people in metal too, like Dave Mustaine. Um, who uh, the, the leader of the band Megadeth? Lots of his mm -hmm. records are about a kind of broad global political conspiracy to enslave your mind and take control of all all things and and, and similar to what you see in rap culture, and, right? And eventually, and eventually, he went on the Alex Jones show like four or five times. Mm, like that'll do big, for you. Big paranoid, and then you've got uh, John Schaefer from the uh, from the middling uh, power metal band Iced Earth, who was arrested um, for being at the January sixth uh, riots. You now, say middling, but Iced Earth is actually one of the bands I've heard, so that tells you their level of popularity. Unfortunately, I suppose you mean middling in quality, not popularity, right? They're, they're, no, they're pretty. They're pretty big, but uh, but uh, yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're all right. They're all right. Um, but but. So he was arrested at the. I, I apologize to the Ice Earth fans out there. You can add no, me no, at, metal, at no, no. metal underscore analysis to complain at why I was wrong about Ice Earth. Um, and Join so the Bon Jovi fans. Yeah, at me. At me um, so he was arrested. So there clearly is this kind of paranoid streak, this, this, this streak that lends itself to conspiracy because that's another way to deal with this kind of existential nausea. Right. Where, mm -hmm. Rather than yeah. rather than accepting that the other doesn't know that that actually all sociality is truly groundless and has no substantive other to back it up. Rather than admit the horror of that, that, you know, our society is a total uh, game of uh, charades for, for the mm -hmm. most part. Instead, you posit that the other doesn't lack that there is a substantive reality to to something like international politics that gives that uh, that means that they do really know what's going on and in a way that's much more comforting than fully dealing with the the kind of existential nausea that po that poses that right. yeah nothing nothing is inherently meaningful not even the acts of incredibly rich people who do have real power and that's the disturbing thing in paranoia, in, in conspiracies, so, right? Is that, is doesn't that, that lead you to like, systemic injustice then? Like, does that mean that like mm. there's a high propensity of heavy metal folks who are susceptible to, to being sort of woke-pilled into the idea that like, no, there's not a grand conspiracy, there's just a bunch of terrible systems that are causing harm to people in, you know, like predictable kinds of ways, whether it's class yeah. or race or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that really is true. And, and, and that's and that's one of the other ways that it can go is a, a lot of people um, of my generation. I think of people slightly older than me as well, like into your sort of older millennial and so on. These people, mm -hmm. th these people are on the whole good left liberal types who believe in the existence of these explanatory frameworks like uh, that that have emerged in the twentieth century 
and see sure. themselves and, and see themselves as in as as trying to do the right thing about them, even though for the most part they're doing the exact same thing as everybody else, only their clothes are black. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was me in high school. I'm I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's and that's the gesture that again that I I really try to hammer home is that metal is really quite similar to the cultures that it surrounds, but for these few twists that un, I think largely unintentionally totally expose the way that uh, postmodernity um, and also kind of uh, and also kind of uh, large parts of our psyche work. Like I, I think the, the the obsession with death is. Um, you know, it's cool because, you know, the riffs are real loud and it's like you put the skulls in there. But I don't think any of the original metal artists had the intention of revealing a common, you know, this incredible uh, universal uh, commonality of finitude, you know, mm-hmm. like it was mm-hmm. it was never it was not really about that in the moment of creating it. But they happen to touch on these things. Sure. But, Which but, is often but the way art, art works. Yeah, but that means that at the same time, most people who are into metal, although you think yourself to be different, largely in behavior, you are doing basically the exact same thing as everybody else. Enlightenment, the last trap of the ego, right? Yeah, and and I think, and and this is why I want to kind of get to get a metal beyond the liberal stage that is largely that largely occupies it now and certainly as the community moves through history and the older generations of metalheads die we will it will get more liberal because that's the political mode now um mm. but to get us through that and into a more radical space we need to see how the things that we really like all of this stupid vinyl collection and and uh, going to gigs all the time and drinking beer loads of beer like how we've got to see how all of these things are actually hurting us in the moment, keeping us enslaved, you know, locking mm-hmm. up, locking us down to locking us down to consumptive practices that mm-hmm. don't change the political reality, despite how clearly we think we can see them. And in a way, I think this is like metal is a perfect kind of cross section of the modern liberal subject, you know. We know mm. that the world is, we know that there are problems in the world, but, you know, why don't we just watch something nice or, or okay. at least, or at least put on something big and heavy that will shut it out temporarily. No, I love this as a great <laughs> stopping point. So now that you've, now that you've insulted literally everyone, shit talked everybody, including your own community and like all, all time, modern man. philosophy, I love this. <laughs> no, it's very metal. You have just like done the most metal thing, which is be a dick to everybody on the way down. Um, so I appreciate that about you. <laughs> and uh, no, uh, I want to keep you on after all this bonus. As well. It's going to hurt. It will in no way hurt you because no one will care because this doesn't matter because nothing matters. Oh, well, exactly. Well, exactly. But but indeed, I really hope that somebody does at me and be like, that was really rude. You were horrible. (laughs) I'll be like, yes. Okay. Now you're getting somewhere. Yes, indeed. Okay. Okay. So we'll talk about that a little bit maybe in the the VIP stuff. I also want to ask a little bit about your studies and maybe a couple of like textbook examples of heavy metal in culture um Mm. not including the movie heavy metal um Mm. but first i have to torture you so we're gonna do something very metal it's called the enlightening round enlightenment comes from within okay so here's what's gonna happen i'm gonna give you a list of things you are gonna tell me are these things real or not real Okay. Those are your only options. You cannot hedge. You don't get to define what you mean by real or not real. Okay? Oh, okay. Cool. Fine. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Into the pain amplifier we go. First of all, let me ask just to check. Is anything real? Yeah. Ah, so you're not a heavy metal person after all. Okay. Let's find out <laughs> what besides nothing exists. Um, are bodies real or not real? Yeah. Okay, real? Yeah, the uh, yeah, they're, they're here. Okay, minds, real or not real? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, free will? Uh, 
tiny bit real. Ah, really not real. So it's got to be real then, uh, I suppose. Uh, just about. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> it's an all or nothing kind of thing. Luck, real or not real? Oh, not real. Okay. Demons, real or not real? Um, not real. <laughs> <laughs> Much uh, to my afterlife? No, no, not real. Um, truth? Uh, yeah, real. Oh, God, you're going to get so fucking cancelled for this episode. Beauty? Yeah. Uh, no, no, beauty is not real. Wow. So many hot Only ugliness is real. Only ugliness okay. is okay. real. Justice, okay. not real. Justice is also not real. Justice, not real. And finally, hope. Not real. Okay, you survived. How do you feel? Oh... Uh, a bit annoyed about uh, the free will question. <laughs> oh, good. Well, who isn't, right? <laughs> I, I'm. I really like Alenka Zupancic's idea of free will, but it, it only exists okay. in the absolute last instance. Like, okay. like it, it briefly opens up a tiny sliver of, of freedom in the moment of deciding to not do something, and that's the only time you have free will. Uh... The rest of the time, you're totally determined. I was totally going to let you off the hook in the VIP round and not make you talk about this, but now we're going to. So everybody who wants to hear us talk about luck and free will, um, come over to patreon.com slash embrace the void. But other than that, um, David, uh, do you mind letting folks know again, um, you know, where they can find your stuff um, and what you would you know, recommend them checking out? Um, I'm on Twitter at metal underscore analysis. I have an academia edu profile where you can read uh, the uh, mediocre stuff that I wrote uh, years ago um, and I also have a YouTube channel also, uh, with that's called my name um, and I think it, you can search for it by at metal underscore analysis as well I'm not sure it's got some stuff on there come come okay. and tell me that come and tell me that I'm wrong please I need to be <laughs> I need to be punished please punish me <laughs> Well, luckily, we've got some extra time to punish you, so let's get on over to that. But thanks, everybody, for listening. And, David, thanks again so much for being a good sport, which I guess is part of your philosophy. Thank you for having me. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. But as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks again to our listeners and patrons who make this show possible. Thanks to our new monthly voidling, Zombie Skincare, And... As always, I would like to thank our top-level patrons who, I must reiterate, get basically no additional benefits. They are really just supporting this show out of the utter voidiness of their hearts. Our Archduke, our Archon-level patrons, uh, give to modest needs, then visit deepfakestop.com. Alex Beneshek, Serious Inquiries Only, Lawrence Shielding, Dude, Fix the Vote, and... Fuck the armchair death cult known as humanism, atheist for life. And all the thanks to our Archduke level patron, Big Easy Blasphemy. Thank you all so very much. If you'd like to support the show, please check out my other show, Philosophers in Space, with my co-host Callie Wright of the Queer Splaining Podcast. While you're at it, check out my wonderful editor, Louisa Lyons's Film Live Musicals podcast. Leave them all a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app. You can also follow me on Twitter at ETVpod or email me at voidpod at gmail.com. And if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and bonus VIP content. Most of all, no matter how general your intelligence, you are the void, and the void is you.